You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Again, uh, I want to invite you to turn in your scriptures to Romans chapter 10. Once again, we're in this chapter, Romans 10. And uh, on your way there, we've got a picture from last week from Micah. Micah's here. There he is. So we were in, looked briefly, I didn't take you there, but Leviticus 18, Paul had referenced that. And so Micah wrote down, that comes from Leviticus 18.5. It said, you shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. And Moses wasn't countering this, the Lord your God, but he was countering the type of obedience-based uh, righteousness, the righteousness based on the law um, that so many of Israel were seeking after and establishing and then showing it's by faith. So thank you, Micah, for that picture, coloring it in for us. Thank you, everyone, for drawing. I want to take you to God's Word in chapter 10. And once again, I'm going to start actually in, in verse 4. Remember? 10-4, good buddy. You need a place to go. What if I can't? What if my righteousness is not enough? Yeah, it is. God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's not enough. Where is it enough? In Christ, he's the end. We're going to start in verse 4, but really our concentration today is then verses 14 through 17. So let's come back. God's word once again. Listen to it. Start in verse 4 of chapter 10 of Romans. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Let me pray once again. Lord, we thank you for this time that we are able to gather and to sing your praises, to sing together of your holiness and our unrighteousness and your grace and mercy 
and your provision, your only provision through the cross of Christ. May it be our glory forever. May we not glory in ourselves as we read about from Milt. Lord, we just pray now as we think about this gospel message and the going out of the message that you would convict and stir our hearts. Lord, we would not be content to simply know this on our own and bask in this joy privately, but we would be those that proclaim it. Lord, guide us to understand each part of your word. It's your word. It's what you've written. It's sufficient for us. It's what we need. And we just pray that you would guide us by your spirit to understand what is before us here today. To your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I read through this section, once again, Paul has questions. Lots of questions over and over. I didn't total total them up. I think there's at least maybe five, maybe six here. So in that vein, I want to ask as sort of an outline for today and where we're going to be at, I want to ask three questions of the text that we're in. Certainly the text continues down into into 18 through really um, the end of chapter 10 here and we'll continue into chapter 11. But for right now, for today, we're just dealing with these couple verses through 17. But the outline's going to go kind of like this. Verses 14 through 15, I'm going to ask kind of a series of three questions. Number one, how will they call on the Lord for salvation? If we were to maybe sum it up here, how will they call on the Lord for salvation? And you're, you've heard on here already, there's a lot of things Paul brings up. If, if everyone, we saw in verse 13, if everyone calls on the name of the Lord and they're saved, then how does this come about? A lot of how questions. Number two, in verse 16, we're going to ask, who will believe the gospel message? Who is it that's going to believe the gospel message? Will everyone who hears believe? You know, just kind of preach the gospel. And if you preach it well enough or you preach with enough conviction, all will hear, all will come to Christ if you just get it right. Who will believe the gospel message? Then number three in verse 17, third question, how will they hear? How will they hear? Faith comes from hearing and then hearing through the word of Christ. So let's head back to our text now, verses 14 and 15, just this, this series of questions to answer really the main question, how will they call on the Lord? Let me read them again to you. Hear the series. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I think the main question is the first one here because it relates right after what Paul has stated there in verse 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul traces this calling to various stages, maybe steps you could call them. There's probably better words for that. There's, there's this believing. There's believing that's connected to hearing. There's hearing that's connected to preaching. Preaching connected to, to being sent. And probably like Proverbs and going in reverse, that's what we're going to do as well today. We're going to look at verse 15 in the end and kind of work our way back up. Kind of begin at the, this bottom, go up, or maybe, so to speak, start at the feet and move to the heart of one who calls on the Lord. So, before one can call on the Lord, there is first, if you work it on down, there's this idea of being sent. Being sent. But notice verse 15, the very last two words of verse 15. They are sent 
To preach what? Good news. So even before one is sent, there's a message of good news. It's the gospel. It's really the gospel precedes the sending. And Paul, just again to help us make sure we're clear, what is this gospel? Paul helps us in 1 Corinthians 15 and says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. It's what the Scriptures point to. And so Jesus, His death, and Jesus' resurrection, they're at the heart of this Gospel message. The response to the Gospel is the response of faith. Or to paraphrase verses 8 through 13 above, Jesus is Lord. He, he's the one whom God raised from the dead. And so the, the sinner in repentance and belief, both this repentance, be merciful to me, I am a sinner, and looking by faith calls on the only name that can save. The name that we sang about, the name that is strong and is a mighty tower, a shelter like no other, because there's no other name that's a shelter like Jesus. And so any sending, anything we do, we must be grounded there. Sending, preaching, hearing, believing, anchored to the gospel of Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross, our substitution in our place, bearing our sin. We getting His righteousness, not ours but His, and then His being raised to life conquering sin and death, and so too all who are in Him. But it is, it is in verse 15, it is these sent ones who go out to preach the gospel. The word for being sent, it's where we get the word apostle from. I think apostle is literally a sent one, the apostle, um, postalon, something like that in the Greek, but you hear apostle in there. There's this idea of sending. And actually, in the, in the New Testament, there's quite a bit of sending going on. Listen to this prayer in John 17. Jesus prays this for his own, and he says this. It's in verses 18 through 21, if you want to write that down. Jesus prays for his own. He says, As you sent me into the world, so Jesus was sent, so then, so I have, Jesus speaking, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so there's the apostles, and then there's the others who will believe through their word. So Jesus here, he's been sent by his Father. You can see that in quite other places. And so Jesus sends out his own. You remember the call at the end of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, called the great Commission. Think of the, the great sending out. And I believe not a commission just for the professional missionaries maybe that we have on our board back there or just for professional pastors, but a call for all of us, for every disciple to proclaim. Well, if you look in verse 15, Paul backs up this call for sending. Once again, where from? Where does Paul back up? His message over and over again, he reaches back to the Old Testament, this time again, the book of Isaiah, in particular Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. You're familiar maybe with that verse again. He proclaims this, I'll read it to you from Isaiah 52. 
How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Now we know that. We've read that already. Listen to how it's kind of filled in even. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let me just pause there. That is good news. When you turn on the news today, it's far better news. Our God reigns today, now, forever, eternity. And there's a message here of peace and happiness and salvation. It kind of, if you think of it, this, these beautiful feet, this, all these, these, this happiness, it, it kind of sounds like the riches that we looked at last week, the riches bestowed on all who call on the Lord, who call on this God who reigns, who call on the Lord Jesus. But just briefly, I want to talk about feet for a moment, and I'm not asking you to take off your shoes. Please don't. Uh, Maybe some of you don't have shoes on. You can actually look at your real feet. You have sandals already this time of year. Feet are not the most glamorous subject to talk about, and they are, as I mentioned, sometimes they've got odor, or we just don't. Maybe we don't like, I, I don't know that I'd prefer you to all look at my feet. I'm wearing shoes today. This is not, it's, it's feet. And yet here, right here in verse 15, what, how are feet described? They're described as beautiful. Beautiful feet. Not for their own beauty, it's something that these feet do. Listen to uh, Leon Morris, he writes here. It is interesting, he says, to have the feet selected as the beautiful parts of the body. But, of course, the messengers normally traveled on foot, and the feet were the significant members. They might be dirty and smelly after a long, hot journey, but to those who eagerly awaited good news, they were beautiful. Those who bring good news are always welcome. And then John Murray, he writes about Isaiah's prophecy here that we looked at back in Isaiah 52, he says that it it found its climactic fulfillment in the Messiah himself, Messiah's feet really. So it continues to be exemplified in the messengers whom he has appointed to be his ambassadors. You see the connection? Jesus is sent to proclaim good news, liberty to the captives, remember sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor so to those in Christ, his messengers, to go out. So I want to pause here and just by way of application ask you today, what kind of feet do you have? And you know I'm not asking to see your feet. What kind of feet? When you enter a village or a home or a situation or a conversation, do you wear the feet of the beautiful gospel? In Ephesians 6, verse 15, one part of the armor of God involves feet, involves shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so your feet, kids, you know this, your feet can be used for a lot of things. Your feet can jump. Maybe you've got your trampolines up already. Um, Feet can do, they can walk, they can run, they can do a lot of different things. May our feet be used to bring good news, to bring the news of salvation in Christ.
Has God given you feet? Use them. Use them to walk and share the gospel. Well, it's this news and the good news of the gospel. It's at the heart of the preaching for those who are sent. So they're sent, and then there's this preaching. The question at the end of verse 14 is, how are they to hear without someone preaching? So sent ones preach, and then preaching the gospel is how one hears. Paul uses the same word for preaching uh, that he has used in verse 8, where you see, you can see up above, wherever you find it on your page, verse 8, where the word of faith that we proclaim or that we preach, same, same word there. And so the gospel, it's a word-driven message for the hearing of the soul. But a question, again, I've kind of alluded to it, is this task just for the professional preachers? Like, Great, we've got one of those. We call him pastor, a preacher. Perfect, let him do the walking. We'll pray for you. We'll, you know, whatever. And you, you all support me well. You do pray for me and appreciate that. Support us so well. But is it just for professional? Leon Morris, again, he notes the word on preaching here. He says it, it indicates an activity and not merely a person. Now we're coming to everybody. Now it indicates an activity, not merely a person. Paul may have in mind, he may have in mind preachers, but is it limited to these? Let me just give you two, two reasons it's not. Number one, think of the demoniac, the, the, one, the man with the demon, Mark, Mark 5, Jesus heals him in the Decapolis. So Jesus heals this one, and this, this formerly demon-possessed man comes to Jesus, and he wants to go with them. And in Mark 5, we read, you know, uh, about Jesus and this interaction. And yet Jesus calls this once demon-possessed. He says, no, don't come with me. What's he supposed to do? Jesus says, gives him these words. He says, do this. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. What did the guy do? Mark says, Mark records, he went away and began to proclaim, same word for us here in Romans 10, uh, 14, the end of 15, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, these ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Or Jesus, I want to just go. Jesus says, yep, go follow me and go and proclaim. In fact, in Luke 9, there's others gathered around Jesus, and there's this topic of following Jesus, and Jesus calls out to one of them, gathered there, and he says to that one, he says, follow me. And in Luke 9, the response is, but he said, Lord, so Jesus says, follow me. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I don't think Jesus is saying, don't care about your mom and dad, but he's giving a principle here. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, do what? Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's a little different word there, but I think we get the idea of proclaiming this kingdom. Followers of Jesus are not proclaimers of themselves. That's not our message. Thankfully, we have a wonderful good news, and it doesn't come from, look at me and look at my life. We might say, look at my sin, look at my life, look at who I'm trusting in, but that's just it. It's who we're trusting in. It's proclaiming Jesus as Lord. 
And so Jesus proclaims, the apostles proclaim, so ought we to proclaim and preach. And we proclaim in what we do and how we act, how we live. We shine a light of Christ in that way. But let's not miss, we proclaim in word. We have the word, we know who is the word, and we proclaim the word. Preaching, proclaiming involves words. God's given us language to use, to proclaim. It's called the good news. And so news is spoken of and proclaimed. It would look weird if you turned on the news to watch the news and the, the, the anchors up there are, are sitting there and they're just saying, for this episode, for this news tonight, just, just watch what we do, figure it out, and, and we'll do the news. And they might, they, might point to some, they might point to a map somewhere, you know, some conflict's going on. They might just point. And you go, I have no idea what's going on there. Or the weathermen, you might get an idea. Maybe they'll put the cold front, warm front stuff on the map. You can get an idea, maybe. But there's this pointing, and, and the, but no words. And you'd go, that's a weird newscast. It need, good news requires words to communicate the news. And so too, all of us. Yes, we live out our faith. We live it out in deeds. We bear fruit to the one that we're trusting in. But we must speak. We speak imperfectly, yep. We fumble around for words, or maybe we're nervous to share this gospel. Yeah, all those. Walk by faith and go share the word. Speak the words of life in Christ. The question here is, how are they to hear without someone preaching? For many of you, you are the pastor that this one, whoever's in your life or in your sphere, where you will go one day, you are the one to proclaim to them. And in that moment, and I think I, I sometimes have these thoughts, in that moment, there's nobody else. You're kind of going, well, I'll, I'll leave this for somebody down the road. They'll take care of this. Let us not miss what the Spirit is doing, how God is moving in His providence. Now you're before this one. To, and you go, I, I believe I need to share the gospel. But I should wait. I should know a little more. Yeah, know more. Study more. But don't wait. Proclaim Christ, the name of Christ. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, as we work backwards up the way here, how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? So Paul asks a penetrating question for all who are sent to preach the gospel, that believing comes through hearing. So There is hearing with an open heart, open by who? By God, to hear the gospel. And there is the hearing in the ears. I want you to notice, uh, kind of in the middle of verse 14, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Notice here how that's worded. It's not simply, these are not simply words or a sermon that are being preached, again, but it's a, a person. How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So this message, the proclaiming, again, it's not centered so much on a what. It is the gospel, understanding, proclaiming the gospel. But the gospel is centered on a person, namely the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in John 5, verses 36 through 40. 
He says, but the testimony that I have, just Jesus speaking, is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. There's sending idea again. And the Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Jesus corrects that. He says, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Is searching the scriptures bad? Is Jesus saying don't search the scriptures? No, it's not bad. Not if you find Christ. But it's bad if you search the scriptures and you don't see Christ, the fulfillment of all of them. You don't see his lordship and who he is. This is how far, this is the Jews who sought this law-based righteousness. That's how far from Christ they were. They missed the one to whom all the Scripture is bearing, is proclaiming, is bearing witness to. God's voice, His form, and His word, they're wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And they did not submit to Christ then, and they thought, sought their own righteousness. So there's hearing. There's hearing of Christ that leads to believing. And this even is a work of God. Not by, not by our works, we can't boast. But believing then leads to a calling. And that calling, in terms of verse 13, is a calling for salvation. So we get back to the first verse of verse 14. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Again, I don't, I don't think Paul here is giving just, just a simply kind of a method or a, a mechanical kind of step one, step two, do this in this right order, get it straight, make sure you get it down, and then there's salvation. I think he's just he's describing the gospel, and in particular, these elements of true conversion, to be truly converted to the Lord, where our lives, we look to Jesus, and our lives look like we're trusting and our faith is in Jesus. We're bearing fruit. And so all these elements, I think they're, they're present in this true conversion of one from death to life. And we want to be cautious just to make it kind of a, just a step-by-step process. And so Paul seems to point out here what the, the value of each of these elements. And maybe, maybe if you're thinking of one person in particular, maybe you're not all these for them. But there is this sending, and there's this preaching, and there's this, and there's this, and, and you don't know. And maybe you might preach, and then two years later somebody else preaches, and this connects to that. And however God uses that, it's in His sovereign decree and His plan. And all of this, all of this preaching, hearing, believing, centered on the gospel, and it's a work, as we've seen from Romans 9, it's a work of God's mercy on those who don't deserve mercy. So God is at work calling sinners, and there's a response here as well, the response of those who've seen their sinfulness and their unrighteousness before a holy righteous and pure God. And so they call in the only name who can save. So question number one, we'll be briefer on the others. Question number one, how will they call on the Lord? Preachers are sent out so that those who hear 
may believe and call on the Lord. Question number two, a little shorter, who will believe the gospel? Look at verse 16. Who will believe the gospel? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Paul uses an interesting word in verse 16 that not all have obeyed the gospel. The word obey, it's interesting. You're hearing words in here a lot about hearing, hearing, obedience. It's kind of, they share the same root word. So in order to hear, the idea of hearing is, and I've shared this before, I believe, the idea of hearing is actually obeying. It's not just listening and going, I hear some tones in there and I hear some inflections and I, I hear this with my, there's a hearing and there's a, there's a doing that follows. There's an acting on it. Now, this is not, obedient. This is not obedience for, for the sake of righteousness, but this is hearing and obeying, and in that sense, so believing on Jesus. It's this, you look at the title of our whole series through Romans, the obedience of faith. This is not your pastor saying, obey, that's the way to salvation. It's, it's obey, and in that way of believing, that faith that looks to Christ. It's not obedience-based righteousness. It's obedience in relation to hearing and believing. Listen to how Paul in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, he tells us what's in store for those, listen to this, for those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel. What about those who don't obey the gospel? That is, to come to the Christ who is the gospel, Jesus those who do not know God and those who do not obey and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal, not momentary, not annihilated, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. This gospel is not an optional message. Kind of, you know, do it, take it or leave it, it's up to you, doesn't really matter. It's a matter concerning eternal things, whether you obey, that is, believe in the gospel or not. Eternity and where you'll spend it and, and who you'll spend it with is at stake in the gospel. Not just, that's what the preacher's supposed to say, we're supposed to proclaim it. It's important to reject it is to face eternal peril. But that's not the case for all who hear and believe. And Paul here um, quotes again. If you look at the quote he's got here in verse 16, it comes from, now he helps us, for Isaiah says, he said, Paul, where's that from? From Isaiah. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? It comes from Isaiah, you can write this down, 53, verse 1. If you know anything about 53, that whole chapter is just a, looks towards Christ as the suffering servant. In Isaiah's day, as we look at this, this passage in particular from Isaiah, in his day, and in fact, long before his day, there was unbelief. Even Israel. What about Israel? They clearly saw God's power among them. We've just read about it. in number. If you're going through numbers, you just read. They saw all this, and they got to the promised land and said, those guys are too big. Why are we even here? What's God going to do? And they disbelieved. They disobeyed God, yes, in disbelief. Not even they. 
believed, those who saw. And so I think there's a sense where Isaiah says not everyone has believed. And so Paul can say in our Romans 9 verse 6, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Who's Israel? Those of faith. Now the same passage, we're talking about Isaiah 53. We were talking about Isaiah 52. Fast forward John chapter 12, it comes up. Same passage from Isaiah comes up in John 12, and John comments there. You want us to look there? Let's go there. Let's go. Some of you are going to turn there anyway, and that's really good. Let's just look at it. John 12. I am in verse 37 here. In fact, in Sunday school, we just looked at the before this here, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. We get, John says this here. Let me read through verse 41. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And we go, okay, this is familiar ground now. Lord, Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their hearts and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. The fulfillment of Isaiah's message in chapter 53 is that of Jesus here. Even though these signs were done, they still did not believe in Him. And sinful men and blind men reject, gladly reject, it would seem, the Lord. But if they, they who saw this, if they rejected Him, they saw the signs, and they rejected Him who was raised from the dead, just by word of encouragement here, let us not be discouraged. If people we... We say, all right, I'm encouraged, I'm convicted, I'm going to go, I'm going to go preach the gospel. Pastor says, if I don't have to do it perfectly, I want to study and do it well, but I'm just going to go preach. And man, they just, I don't seem, they don't seem to be coming to the Lord in droves. And, and I, I went and it's just not, and there's rejection. And we see this here, even in Jesus himself is face to face, they did not believe. We can see God's sovereign hand over that, and we can see there they are responsible for their rejection of the Savior. So good news was proclaimed, but simply the proclamation of it is not effective unto faith. We come to verse 17. Now I'm back in Romans 10. Our last question, question number three for us today, how will they hear? How will they call? What about... What about those who don't? Will everyone believe? And then here, how will they hear? Verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith must hear. And that hearing, what? It's connected to the word of Christ. Again, hearing is a word-driven hearing of the message of Christ, the word of the gospel, of this salvation. The preaching doesn't guarantee the hearing. It didn't guarantee it in Isaiah's day or Jesus' day. But nonetheless, there's a call. Go proclaim. We don't have to worry. Will they? Won't they? Why not? 
Go proclaim, go preach in your sphere where God has set you. Trust in God to do the heart work because God must do the work in the heart to change the heart to see Christ. Paul puts this heart work and proclamation together in a, in a little verse. I want to, you can write it down, reference 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Listen to this. These are together here. What about heart work? What about the work God must do? What about the proclaiming? Paul says this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, again, we're back to Genesis, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light. What, just some, just some kind of light? There's just a bright light. Now I feel there's a light. Listen. He's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God where? In the face of Jesus Christ. You believer in Christ, you have so much that God has opened eyes to see Christ. That those who literally saw him rejected and did not believe. And you, by seeing, by God's grace, working in the heart, see him. And so Paul proclaims, and as Romans 9 has shown, God grants mercy. God opens the eyes of the heart to truly hear this message of the gospel. And then respond. What's the response? Calling out to the Lord by faith. All right, we've asked, there's questions in the passage. I've asked three, two questions as we close. Number one, we, I need to ask, I don't know the setting or all, that is, all who are gathered here. One question, do you know this Jesus? Do you know Jesus as Lord? Are you hearing from him? And then what will you do with what you hear? This is what God's word says. In Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else. No one else. There is no other name under heaven. Isn't that glorious truth? There's no elected official. There's no sports hero. There's no big whatever. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I encourage you, if you have not called on Jesus to save you, call on him today. Repent of sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In that sense, obey the gospel and look to Jesus. Question number two is the penetrating question. Do you know Jesus? Has God shown you him? Then how will they believe and call if they have not heard? It's one of the questions I think I put in your little dinner table questions in the bulletin. Think about who you heard the gospel from. Yes, God was at work, and God uses means and he uses people. Who is it you heard the gospel from? Who has shared it with you? And who, then, do you need to share it with? Parents, the obvious nearest answer is our children, is to share the gospel. And then branch out from there to whatever sphere, whatever place God has assigned you and where you are. You might be at a job or in a school setting or in some situation where you just go, I don't, I don't like where I'm at. I wish I could move, whatever. What has God, for the moment, who has he put in your, in your sphere to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe today God is using this as a step to prepare you. Maybe even to prepare some of you 
to go to who knows where across the oceans to proclaim this gospel to a people group that has never heard of it before. But without hearing, they will not know the Savior, Jesus. Let me just encourage you. If you say, I want to, let me just encourage you first, pray. Pray that the Lord, that you don't go out, just, I got to do this, step one, two, three, here I go, I'm checking it off, good, got that done for the day, head back and do something else. I think we first need to pray, Lord, help me to treasure Christ and love him so much and see the beauty of this gospel of my Lord and Jesus who saved me from my sins, calls me that I'm not a lost sheep anymore. He's called me to himself. And we go, that's the good news that I'm going out to proclaim. May you treasure Christ. Pray that, Lord, help me to treasure you. And then pray and watch. Again, I've said it before. We will say it again. Pray for an opportunity this week for an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. If you want help, talk to me. Mike, how do I, where do I start? Where do I go? What do I, I want to, I don't know where. Talk to it. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to someone beside you. Pray for an opportunity and then watch. And I'd love to hear back. I was praying about this. Here's the, this person just walked in. I don't, and here's the gospel. Who knows what God will do. May each one of you put on shoes for your feet with the readiness to share the gospel of peace. And I pray that each of you have beautiful feet. So let's pray. That's what we pray for today. I pray for beautiful feet. I have no idea the condition of our earthly feet in this room. And yet, Lord, may you give us the spiritually beautiful feet to carry not just a message, not just good news amongst other news, but the news, the best news, the hope for a world in darkness and in sin. That what we proclaim would not be ourselves, but we would proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants, called to preach and proclaim in the place where you brought us. Lord, I pray for opportunities, and I pray that when they come, you would give clarity, you would give a good understanding of the gospel that it could be shared. Lord, maybe as objections come along, that you'd provide answers by your spirit and by your word. Guide us as a people, Lord, where you've placed us to not let people perish without us having preached the gospel. Show us where that is, and we pray we'd be obedient to your calling, obedient to the command to go today and to make disciples. We pray this for, by your power and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.